Welcome to another episode of Spellized Together. I am Michelle. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. And I am Harper. <laughs> Why are you a robot? Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. Well, apparently, honeybees are disappearing all over the country. It's scary, huh? So on this episode, we will be discussing environmentally themed movies in honor of Earth Day. Welcome to Earth. So, <laughs> welcome to Earth Day episode. Welcome to Earth Day. Yeah. <laughs> so we will be discussing Earth, earthy movies. Earth. earth. Welcome to the Earth Days. Uh, this could be pollution related, overpopulation related. It could be totally bogus science plus realistic science plus whatever we feel like. Essentially, any movie that says that humans are awful. Yes. And that the Earth is dying. Basically. One way or another. And what are we going to do about it? <laughs> so we'll get to that with the, with the last movie, pretty much, is the only one that actually says Yeah, the further we go, well, yeah. the more we'll start with solution the, the problem. More, yeah, yeah, we start with more like problem movies and then get closer to like solutions that aren't magical. And we didn't pick like the best of the best because I wanted to watch some trashy movies. So I picked some weird ones to go through. It's a it's a pretty <laughs> wild mix of movies. Let's, let's say that. But it's all Earth Day related. <laughs> Is there an Earth Day song? There uh, should be. I don't know. We should make Try one up. love one another <laughs> right now. Is that song? Sure. <laughs> Come on, everybody. <laughs> Is there an Earth Day Simpsons episode we should be including? No, but I was thinking of Simpsons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, let's just dive in. So we'll be discussing our earthy picks and what we liked about them. So. The Earth says hello. <laughs> that, that song, maybe? Does it say the Earth? Isn't yeah. It? Maybe. Good morning, sunshine. Yeah, it is. So maybe we'll have that song as uh, transitions. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So we're going to talk about these movies chronologically. Um, and I guess the first one is a Harper pick. Yeah. Michelle refused to watch this one because Michelle doesn't like fun. <sighs> I didn't refuse to watch it. <laughs> we just had bad timing. <laughs> well, it's me. So it's a Godzilla movie. No! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, this is the first movie I thought of when we decided to do this episode, and that's Godzilla versus Hedora, aka Godzilla versus the Smog Monster from 1971. Smog Monster. 
an ever-evolving alien life form from the dark gaseous nebula arrives to consume rampant pollution, spewing mists of sulfuric acid and corrosive sludge. Neither humanity or God's nor it should be nor Godzilla <laughs> may be able to defeat this toxic menace. Toxic. Directed by Yoshimitsu Bano, Bano and written by Yoshimitsu Bano and Takeshi Kimura. Uh, this is the only movie that Yoshimitsu Bano, the only Godzilla movie that he directed because uh, it was such a departure from the previous movies uh, that they, I don't know, there's a lot of like uh, rumors and stuff that may or may not be true that like the people who ran Toho were like furious about this movie and didn't hated it. Why? So, be, yeah, it's Why? Dumb. Because it's not, I don't know, it's not more serious than the previous movies, but it's definitely takes it in a much more like modern approach. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, it stars uh, Akira Yamanuchi, Toshi Kimura, Hiroyuki Kawase, and then playing the two titular characters, uh, Haruo Nakajima plays Godzilla again for the gazillionth time. And this one's kind of interesting because uh, this guy Ken Pachiro Satsuma played Hidora is the first time he was he was in a monster suit for one of these movies. And he eventually took over the Godzilla suit and played Godzilla through the entire second uh, era of Godzilla. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. Um, <laughs> so <still> ignore me. <laughs> what? I'm participating. Thank you. <laughs> um, Tell me what the genre of the climate issue is. So, yeah. So this one is most specifically about pollution. Um, particularly Good old pollution. Yeah. Particularly <laughs> ocean and air pollution. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, I think that was, I didn't do enough research probably, but I believe this was like a major problem in Japan at the time. Um, and like the movie opens with these shots of water, which I'd be curious to know how much, how much of it was real and how much of it was like staged, but it's like very disgusting, polluted water filled with like oily stuff and like trash and you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, and there, it's really like evocative and gross and, and kind of disturbing looking cause there's like a mannequin floating in the water. So like for a second you think it's like a dead body and it's like, uh, this one, one of the reasons I really like this movie is because, um, of all the Showa era Godzilla movies, this one somehow feels like it's one of the more silly ones, but also one of the most, the darkest ones. Like it somehow bridges both of those, um, it definitely has the most on-screen like human deaths of any Godzilla movie of this era by a long shot. I think. Do they kill evil people like uh, oil all tycoons? across the board? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, yes, yes, and no. Um, it's it's all kinds of people. Um, so uh, yeah, there's um, there's a, like you know most Godzilla movies, it's like oh we've evacuated the city, so that when they like start destroying buildings, you're like oh they're just empty. But in this, like you actually see a lot of people die, which is very unusual for this yeah. era, even for any Godzilla movie really, but especially for this era. I was looking up. I was curious when the like recycling symbol was made, and when because like this is our earliest mm, climate mm-hmm. movie, and the Cyclops will have his revenge. Yeah, so the recycling symbol was uh, designed in 1970. So maybe mm. this is when hippies started swaying other people. Yeah, well, this movie has a lot of hippie stuff in it. Yeah, so um, I just thought it was a little interesting tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I, I did want to mention too, and I'm probably going into more detail than I need to, but it's mostly because I'm trying to explain it to you since you didn't watch with me. But I got the gist. You're going to have to do that with some of the other ones, so it's fine. But um, yeah, there's a whole thing where like these uh, kind of like swinging 60s, you know, mod people are all, they're like hanging out in the club and they, and then Hedora's like sludge starts coming to the club and it covers a little kitty cat. I saw that kitty cat. Um, it was sad. But yeah, so the like hippie people are like, whatever, man, we're all going to die anyways. Let's go out to Mount Fuji and <laughs> have a big party. And so they do that and then they all get killed by Hedora. We're just asking <laughs> for it. Um, so, but yeah, people get turned into skeletons a lot in this movie, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it takes place in the year it came out, I believe, 1971, okay. roughly. Um, no future stuff. How realistic is this climate-wise? <laughs> well, obviously the monster's not realistic, but a lot of things that happen in the movie... Uh, um, oh, by the way, it's supposed to be a scale of 1 to 10, Michelle says. Well, so. the scales don't really matter, but well, I'm gonna I say like five. assigning numbers to things. <laughs> I'm going to say 5 because obviously like you know, a giant monster made a smog, that's not realistic. But Not yet. A lot of the things that happen as a result of the monster are very realistic. Like, it, Well, not that people would turn into skeletons, but yeah. that... Um, there's like poisonous smog that people have to like stay indoors and they've like shut down factories and mm -hmm. banned car use. All that stuff is very much like um, real events like the great smog of London in 1952 where like thousands of people got yeah. sick and died uh, because of this like terrible smog over the city. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of evocative of real things, but uh, you know, obviously it's taken a more metaphorical approach. Yeah. Less science, more monsters. I mean, that's what I'm usually asking for. <laughs> um, ask me questions about it. <laughs> so, so the moral of the story or the solution to climate problems. Well, the main solution is that we need a Godzilla to stop yes. stuff. Does but, he like suck up any of the... Well, does Hedorah, are they... I don't know their gender. <laughs> are they... Uh, <laughs> Sucking up like pollution, yeah, and but that makes them way. stronger. Yes, like because the, then like a, it would be like go clean up the oceans yeah, and then cool. attack At us. A point, they're like, oh, is it a good thing? Because he, uh, Hedora, like yeah. eats, eats pollution. Like, oh, we can just use Hedora to yeah. clean up. And they're like, no, because Hedora's a lot worse. <laughs> Hedora's eating pollution and then like spewing poisonous gas everywhere. Dang, um, we almost had a solution for climate. Yeah, so close. <laughs> um, but it is interesting because there's like a moment in this movie after Godzilla helps defeat Hedora, he like turns around and is looking at the humans like, do not let this happen again <laughs> kind of thing. Godzilla's like wagging his hand. Exactly. Like, Don't you do it. Uh, but yeah, like <laughs> the solution, <laughs> the like practical solution are the things that like they end up having to do like to be safe from Hedora for a while, which is like, like I said, like shutting down the factory, yeah. stopping car pollution for a while. And most importantly, stop throwing stuff in the ocean. Yeah, it's not it. a big Just quit it. dumpster. Just cut it out. Our what was our environmental class we took? Pam Longobardi. Art and the environment. Yeah, she yeah. would be very upset. She would. This is the lady All who went and cleaned up the ocean. ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Single-handedly, she cleaned up the ocean. She did. Um, I did before we move on. I did want to. Say the movie opens with this song that they repeat. Yeah, throughout tell the me movie. some of your favorite moments. Well, I, I like when by people get, singing this song. No, but I like when people <laughs> get turned into skeletons. Obviously, yeah. you know me very well. Um, but yeah, the opening song gives you a good idea of kind of the tone of the movie and the kind of like they make this like it's cool because the song starts as like kind of like 
a more traditional like Godzilla song, like almost like choir kind of thing. And then it turns into like this swing in sixties, like, um, Austin Powers. Yeah. Like psychedelic <laughs> pop song. And then in the end it's like sung by like a male choir and it's almost like a funeral dirge over mm-hmm. like the same footage of the oceans. So it gets like darker as it goes. Islands, um, fish, where yeah, are you, you singing gone? it? Dragonflies, butterflies, where have you gone? I don't know the theme. I don't either. <laughs> Mercury, cobalt, cadmium, <laughs> lead, sulfuric acid, oxidants. So many Cyanogen, manganese, vanadium, chromium, <laughs> potassium, strontium. Filthy polluted oceans, filthy polluted air. Living things will no longer exist. Fields, mountains become silent. On the earth, there is nobody. Nobody around who can cry. Yeah. Pretty, pretty <laughs> dark song, right? Yeah. It is pretty dark. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, but a pair of like little uh, twin twin ladies sing it. No. Dang. No. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is a really cool one. And I think it's um, I think it's a cool one because it's... I mean, it's an early one in our list. So it's, you know, kind of early in that mm-hmm. revolution of people starting to think, ab- think about environmentalism um, and using... I think this is really cool because, you know, Godzilla started as like a very serious response to, you know, uh, the atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan and kind of how that, uh, you know, affected their culture. Yeah. And then this is like kind of doing the same thing about, you know, another kind of uh, existential crisis facing the world and Japan, Um, you know, using 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 these entertainment giant monster battles as a metaphor for something much more serious and interesting. Cool. So I like this movie a lot. Godzilla versus Hadora. So you think people should watch this on Earth Day? Yeah, hell yeah. And what's and your think, rating for it? Oh, uh, it's like a four star out of five. I Is think. it streaming? I didn't check for streaming. I'm stuff. not sure. Oh actually. no, we're not prepared. No! <laughs> I'll check. Give me okay. Two seconds. Um, it is currently on HBO Max and Criterion Channel. Cool. Oh, excuse me. Max. Just Max. <laughs> Soon, Take I it guess. to the Max. Max. You can tell like some bros are in charge of it now. No, like people don't like the H people don't know what the HBO brand <laughs> is like. Do, don't they? Really? I think we all do now. That's absurd. Like, come on, you weirdos. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So that was Godzilla versus Hodora. Next up. Is a little movie called <laughs> Soylent Green. <laughs> so Soylent Green came out in 1973. Sorry, I spoiled the movie. Yeah, you kind of did. Spoil alert. Also, it's its 50th anniversary. Yeah, Congratulations, cool. Soylent Green. Um, so if you don't know what this movie's about, it is a nightmarish futuristic fantasy, or is it, about the controlling power of big corporations and an innocent cop who stumbles on the truth. So in an overpopulated futuristic earth, a in an innocent cop is an oxymoron. Yeah. A New York police detective finds himself marked for murder by murder. government agents when he gets too close to a bizarre state secret involving the origins of a revolutionary and needed new food stuff. Enough is never <laughs> enough. Other stuff. <laughs> so this is directed by Richard Fleischer, who I don't think we've seen. He did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Conan the Barbarian, Torah, Torah, Torah. So he's like an old school, old school I director. I wonder if he's related to the Fleischer people who did all those uh, Superman cartoons, the Fleischer cartoons. I don't know. Maybe. 
Um, oh, he directed See No Evil. I didn't. Oh, that was way down on his list. I missed <laughs> it. And Amityville 3D. <gasps> 3D. Wow. And his kind of woman. <laughs> <laughs> so this was written by Stanley R. Greenberg and wow, Harry Harrison. And it stars... My man. Charlton Heston. Although he's not really my man because he is also a huge NRA person. Yeah. But I like him in movies where he's sweaty and he grits his teeth a lot. Well, <laughs> and he is very all, sweaty in this. All of his movies <laughs> is, I believe, a teeth. Yeah. Movie. He's like, rah, rah, rah. that's all I So it's Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, and Leah Taylor Young. So, Soylent Green. Ask me the question. Tell me about it. What's the cli- <laughs> what's the climate issue that they're talking about? So in this movie, it is about overpopulation and basically the end of natural food resources and the greenhouse effect. Okay. So they mentioned that a lot. So basically, Earth has having like year-long heat waves so food is super scarce there's no real livestock like all the farmlands are protected by like prison guards or whatever Mm. uh, guards and stuff so everybody is forced to live in cities so they protect the like lands they mentioned that people would want to blow them up and stuff to just end it all so climate activists (laughs) there's a little bit of everything um also this takes place in the year 2022 hmm so last year, yay, yay, Soylent Green, it's real. Um, and so the population—they only focus on New York. So the population in the movie is forty million versus today's population of eight point five million. Yeah, that's a lot. So this movie is. I mean, it's very, basically like India, though, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know the population, but it's probably similar. Um. Although, no, not 40 million. That would be crazy. There's more people living in India than in the United States. But this is one city. Yeah. Just one city. India population currently is 1.4 billion. But is there one city with 40 million? I don't know. Because then I guess this is very realistic. (laughs) I'll I'll do some research while you do this. Um, So, yeah, in the movie, they show a lot of, like, very crowded. Nobody has housing. So a lot of people are just, like you're bunked up with like tons and tons of people so charlton heston and edward g robinson's characters they kind of share a flat together but they also kind of work together and it's very weird because the main actress leah taylor young she is basically furniture that comes with apartments for rich Hmm. fancy men so she's just like i hope they keep me Uh, (laughs) uh an update I'm getting a report from our newsroom. Mumbai is the most populated city in India. It is 12 million people. So three Mumbai's. Yeah. That'd be a lot. Um, so yeah, it's just like they're... They do a really good job of showing like how awful it is. They also tint and color the whole movie. So it's like this gross, like polluted air slash orangey hue over everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's like long, long lines of like food uh, halls where you have to pick up your rations for the day. There's curfews, so no one's allowed out after like eight because crime would be insane. And I think you're assigned, well, you're not even assigned jobs. Like if you have a job, you could easily lose it if you don't show up for work after like one day because yeah. there's just so many people who need jobs. But the story continues with... Uh, Charlton Heston kind of stumbling over 
an assassination attempt about this person who works for the Soylent Ocean Company, mm-hmm. where they have been telling everybody that the food is made out of like ocean plankton. Yeah. Um, and that's where they get. So there's like Soylent Pink, Soylent Orange, like depending on the, the flavors. Yeah. And so Soylent Green is the new thing. And so this guy, spoiler, is killed because he can't. He's like the weakest link in this cover up and he like can't live with himself anymore because mm. he's like, I know what it's made of. Um, and so when you get old in this in this universe, you get to uh, go to like a um, facility where it's kind of like children of men. Uh, yeah. self-assisted suicide little pod places and they play this big like 360 video of like oh the earth is so beautiful look at all the things and Charlton Heston is like I didn't know I didn't know and it's like how could you know <laughs> there's a lot of teeth gritty yeah of course <laughs> so yeah he's like uh, com- my god yeah so like all the old people are like in my day we used to do this and Charlton Heston's like yeah yeah whatever but then he realizes what they've lost so there is a lot of like earth is beautiful we need to protect it as you're dying hmm. like m- stuff like that so Soling Green is made of people uh, that's oh. that's the big spoiler <laughs> because like, they take everybody from these facilities and chop them up cook them up yep I'm mostly, all my knowledge of Sunlight Green is from like parodies in like Futurama and stuff. Yeah. Like in Futurama, Sunlight Green is like, or Sunlight Cola and stuff. <laughs> it's like, and everybody knows it's made of people. The, the jo- I think the joke is like, uh, how, they're like, how is it? And he's like, it depends on person to person. <laughs> God, <laughs> gross. And I think The Simpsons has one too, where they're eating the kids in the school. Oh, well, yeah. The chili the whole, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they make the kids. Uh, Ooter burgers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Halloween episode. True. Yep. So, realistic if wise. You just, you're just going to have to go and tell Principal Skinner, don't eat me. <laughs> don't eat me. <laughs> so, the story is very interesting. And I was very surprised at how good and far they went into detail for like depicting this whole place and the production design. Yeah. It's just like... Like, even protests are kind of squashed right away because they just bring in these, like, uh, big bulldozer things and scoop people up. <laughs> it's just, like, very weird. <laughs> just like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not a good cop. He's very, like, he steals all the time from uh, the rich people's apartments. He's like, I'm going to take this beef. This is the first time I'll ever get to have beef. He's like, I'm going to take a hot shower. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so realistically, I'm going to give it an eight. Only... Okay. Maybe not as far as like eating people, but like the food scarcity, overpopulation. It's coming. It's definitely in the pollution and all of that. That seems very realistic. Let me ask you a question. Do they call it um, global warming in this? They refer to it as the greenhouse effect. Okay. Interesting. Because, yeah, uh, it was something I learned a while ago that I thought was interesting was that like people who didn't want to make it seem that bad, they've yeah. kind of changed it to be climate change instead yeah, but of global no, that's warming. Because climate so. <laughs> change doesn't sound as as violent as global warming. I'm pretty sure they don't say global warming. It's just the greenhouse effect yeah. and heat waves. So it's gotcha. like hot, hot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the moral of the story is either don't pollute or we're going to have to eat people. <laughs> yeah, it's a- yeah. It's one or the other. It's good, good options. Yeah. 
And then my favorite moment, I all it's always misquoted. It's so weird, but it's near the end of the movie when Charlton Heston is like, he first whispers it. He's kind of like, Soylent Green is people. I always thought it's made of people. Like if you said if made of people, people would probably be <laughs> like, know. ew. The, the way I just said that, I it must be from something. It has that's to like be, always right? been in my head. Yeah. Yeah. But then later he's like, saw the greatest people. He's like, you have to tell them. <laughs> Cause he's being carted Does he get off. Turned into people. I mean, Silent Green. I assume he's getting carted off to be killed because someone's been trying to kill him the whole time. Mm. And he does get shot. And then this is like the last scene. Like people are taking him away and he's like, tell them. So I assume like he's going to get killed. Yeah. I assume it. But the real question is like, is that an actual solution? <laughs> like <laughs> eating people. <laughs> like, is it so bad that they're, I mean, I mean, it's bad that they're killing, you know, forced suicide or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It well, it's not for suicide. You volunteer. Well, then is it really so bad? <laughs> <laughs> You're not volunteering to become food, though. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but I, d- I don't know if the population, I feel like with movies like Children of Men, it seems like people are not going to want to have kids if you like now it's like how many people don't want to have kids because the earth sucks. So like yeah. would overpopulation get to this point? Yeah. Like maybe in some parts of the world, but also like I feel like we'd all be or like uh the government would put in sanctions of how many kids you can have yeah, or whatever. I, I mean it's already I think it's decline. like China well, I don't know. Yeah. China put different, different companies are decline or countries are declining in births yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Also know. there is a library scene. <laughs> Libraries. Yeah, archives. They're kind of like they help figure out they do a lot of reference work for hmm. them and like we you need to look up who this person is who this person is mm-hmm. so and they're like four little people like really old people just like you have a new book for us and they like look through it stuff i love them well, it's me too bad they're gonna be barbecue soon <laughs> barbecue silent but yeah they are like you have to find proof and then we can bring it to the council of the world or whatever yeah to prove it but i don't know if they get to that so i think green too electric boogaloo <laughs> Anyway, I loved Soylent Green. It was yeah, so I need to good. Watch it. it does sound cool. I had to rent it on Amazon, but I think I'm gonna buy it if we can get a good copy. It's also very short. It's only 97 minutes, so hmm. it's a good, good Harper length. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of these, like sort of uh, early 70s, like kind of paranoid sci-fi movies. Like, um, yeah, what's the one? Uh, oh man, I'm totally. This is such bad podcasting. What's the burp, one burp, 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 about like where they figure like when when you past like 40 or 50 years old they you're taken away or whatever um and then like logan's runner yeah something? logan's run i've never seen it that so. sounds seems like a very similar concept to this a little bit in style and stuff to me yeah i think the 70s is when people started waking up <laughs> to evil corporations mm. <laughs> anyway i give it four stars i might give it four and a half i okay. am a solid wow. green convert All right. <laughs> uh, do you have a solid yeah. green shirt i do got it from dragon con what does it say? It's like Soylent Green. I think it's like a cereal advertisement. It's like now with more, more Soylent or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I say watch it. It's a great uh, depressing movie. <laughs> Yay. Our favorite. <laughs> yeah. So talking about depressing movies, let's go to our next one. <laughs> well, this is just a great one. We've talked about this movie before, but uh, we're going to jump ahead. To the 90s. Yeah, I was trying to think. The 80s, 90s. <laughs> 80s is more focused on crime movies and like Escape from New York and stuff like that. 
and like class of 1984. Yeah, Toxic Avenger. The kids are out of control. (laughs) Yeah, Toxic Avenger would be an interesting one. So yeah, we're skipping to the 90s back to the like Greenpeace loving Yeah, I'm trying to even think if any of our honorable mentions were 80s. That's kind of interesting that we didn't really have a lot of 80s stuff. Um, considering how many 80s movies I mean you get like Koyana Scotsy is that 80s I think that's 90s dang oh well I think anyways um, we're talking about Clear Cut from 1991 movie we've talked about before um, that's awesome Um, in Clear Cut a white lawyer finds his values shaken when he is paired with an angry indigenous activist who insists on kidnapping the head of a logging company to teach him the price of his destruction directed by uh Rizard Bugajki. Bugajki. I cannot remember where he's from. Um, I think he's Polish, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Which is really interesting that a Polish guy would make an American a movie about, you know, Native Americans. Um, I think he is from Poland. Yes, Poland. Um. It's written by M.T. Kelly and Robert Forsyth and stars Ron Leah, Graham... Oh, sorry. Graham Greene <laughs> and... Michael Hogan, <laughs> a.k.a. Colonel Ty from <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Um, so uh, the basic idea in this one is like there's uh, a corporation who's been like fighting with these indigenous people to... Um, to basically cut down their forest and put like a logging company there on native lands on native lands. Yeah. Um, and there's this white activist lawyer who's like been working for the indigenous people to help them kind of fight back against it, but in a legal way. Yeah. In a legal way. And in the beginning he fit his, his, you know, appeals or whatever fail and he's really uh, upset about it and pissed. And as he's being kind of taken back home or taken back to his hotel or whatever, uh, he says something like, man, I'd kill that guy if I had the chance or something like yeah. that. Talking about the guy who runs the logging company. Nice. Good idea. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so then later when he's at his hotel room, uh, this uh, one of the native guys, uh, Graham Greene's character, I can't remember his name, his character's name, um, shows up with that logging guy. <laughs> like duck with his mouth duct taped and like hands tied and all that. And he's like, all right, here's the knife. Go, yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, basically, you know, putting his, telling him to put his money his where his mouth is. His name is Arthur. Arthur? Arthur. 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 Right. Arthur. Arthur. Like, wow. Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> um, and so it basically escalates from there where like it goes, then uh, Graham, uh, Arthur kind of kidnaps both of them and takes them into the woods. And he's basically just like, like kind of dismantling this lawyer's like, uh, you know, white saviorism a little yeah. bit, um, where it's like, Hey man, if you really want to make a difference, like right here, like this is exactly what you can do. And it'll make a like concrete difference for us. And it gets more and more like kind of crazy where he, Graham green is like this super interesting kind of, I don't even know what you'd call him. Not an anti-hero, but like, he's very complex because even the, like, uh, the people who know him are like, he's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, like he's like the radical arm of these yeah, guys, right? He's the ex- more extreme. And extremist. when I was watching this, it was interesting. I almost took this as like a rape revenge movie. And like, he's the one getting revenge for like the rape of the forest kind yeah. of thing. Like it's almost played that way, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, that's the general gist of the movie. And it takes place present day. Which was the 90s. 90s. At the time. Yeah, so this 
I guess this definitely mimics like the Dakota pipeline of the current day. Yeah. Um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> there it but goes. Yeah, the, <laughs> the genre of climate issue here uh, is definitely like deforestation and evil corporations, you know, and colonization kind of stuff. Too. Yeah. Um, and how that all kind of goes hand in hand and really just like, you know, kind of forcing as like an activist of any kind of on, on the legal side of activism, like, uh, you know, making kind of, uh, self-evaluate whether what you're actually doing is, you know, helping or not is interesting. Yeah. Um, how realistic is it? I'd say 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10. This could definitely happen. Yeah. And, I, well, mean, I mean, it does happen. Well, yeah. I mean, the kidnapping <laughs> thing, not quite as much, but the, uh, I mean, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. But the deforestation and corporations stealing away native lands kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's very true. Has been for a very long time. Yep. So, solution to this problem kill bad people. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's like explore your legal options, and if that doesn't work, get more extreme. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into a lot of yeah. that as the movies go on for sure. Yeah, so I do like that this is pretty early '90s, where it's like we need to take more action because it's always like I guess the '90s had a lot of like legal dramas too, mm. movie-wise. So it is more interesting that this one's like, nope, that didn't work. We're yeah, gonna like go the, a totally the different way. In the movie yeah. is like uh, that route. You is, don't win. That route is yeah, there's probably a whole other movie where it's like they do win and yeah. then they get their lamb back. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, that's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> so favorite moment. Uh, I like uh, and it's been a while since I watched this movie. So I, I was having trouble thinking of like specific stuff. But like there's a moment when the Michael Hogan character, who's the logging company guy, just basically starts to lose his mind. because yeah. He's been kidnapped in the woods and he's like, sure, he's going to die. And yeah. And it, it's interesting because he's like uh, trying to get the lawyer like to come over on his side. Like, look, this guy's nuts. You got to help me. And then, you know, he's like, yeah, but I hate this guy. Yeah. And he's done awful <laughs> stuff. And so they're, I don't know. It's super interesting morally between those three characters as they're yeah. stuck out in the middle like of the that woods. too. Cause he is trying to, the lawyer's like, well, I can't break the law. Like I'm a lawyer. It's yeah. like, how far can I go to help my client? Like yeah. what's the limit? Where's the line drawn? Cause they don't really care. Don't they blow up something too? Or they talk about blowing it up? Yeah, I think they do talk about blowing up the the, the plant. logging plant. Yeah, I can't remember. So, this movie is available on a lot of different streaming services. So we've got Shutter, Tubi, Amazon, Canopy. Nice. So you have no excuses. That's right. Everyone needs to go watch this. <laughs> yeah, Clear Cut is an excellent movie. It's uh, It was one of my discoveries from last year or the year before. I can't remember. Might have been year before. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, it's excellent. Really good movie. I gave it four stars. I think I did four, four and a half. I can't remember. So great climate activists or deforested, I don't know, logging evil companies. Colonization and deforestation. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Harper. So next movie also has to do with trees. <laughs> oh, boy. And that is Ferngully, The Last Rainforest, which came out in 1992. One year later. Yeah. The magical inhabitants of a rainforest fight to save their home, which is threatened by logging in a polluting force of destruction called Hexus. Hmm. 
Uh, directed by Bill Croyer. Written by Jim Cox and Diana Young. Starring Samantha Mathis, Christian Slater, Robin Williams, and Tim Curry. So the genre of this climate issue is deforestation, <laughs> logging, and pollution. So the 90s was definitely, as far as I remember, all about saving the rainforest. Yes. And, we did, and we did it, right? I'm pretty right? sure we saved right? it. It's saved. <laughs> we, we accomplished it. <laughs> um, so, but this is going to be your kid version animated so we all learn a little something early on in our lives <laughs> yeah i mean i mean you watched this one this time i haven't seen it since i was a kid but uh i don't know that it's like a great movie but i will say this is the movie that probably woke up a lot of little kids our age definitely uh, to like knowing that there was something going on. So that's why I decided to include it because when we're thinking like, oh, climate movies, er, a Ferngali, like that's what we watched when we were well, little. Well, also it was like <laughs> Avatar or the original. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes place in the present day. So 1992 and it's very 1992. Someone's like, you're one bodacious babe. <laughs> so fuego. Yeah. <laughs> Muy fuego. Um, Story-wise, it's a little more, I guess, magical than I remembered. Like, I remember there were like fairies and stuff, but I didn't remember them being like the source of creation. Like mm. they created the rainforest and it's not even actually, I don't think it's even the rainforest. It's just, well, it's called the last rainforest, but I think it's like in Australia. It's really weird. <laughs> it's like, weird. does Australia have a rainforest? Huh. Maybe it's New Zealand. <laughs> um, so it's not the Amazon is what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, these little fairy people, they like, have magical powers and they plant seeds and make them grow really fast and they fly around and they can like have magic spells to protect people. Shrink a little well, boy. yeah, the bodacious dude, he's like, uh, uh, the main fairy is still learning her powers. She's going to be like the one to take over from her grandma. Mm -hmm. Um, and she accidentally shrinks the like logger <laughs> dude who's just there to like, his summer job is to like cut uh, down okay. trees. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, that's a weird job for the summer. <laughs> um, so, and then you also have, so you have all the magical people and then like the real world, you have these like, I think it's Cheech and Chong. They're the like in charge of the logger machine. Hmm. And then. That's weird. <laughs> it is. They're very like, ooh, let's cut down everything <laughs> or whatever. Um, but then there's this third evil presence called Nex Hexus, played by Tim Curry, who was trapped in a tree years ago because he thrives on poisonous gas, chemicals, pollution, mm -hmm. and he infects trees in the environment and kills everything. So Tim Curry is kind of the real bad guy. Adora. <laughs> Basically. He is. He's very like he's made of black like smoke and sludge. He's made of and smog. He, the, he like attaches himself to the logging machine and just like sucks straight from the exhaust pipes and he's like oh just like <laughs> it's very weird and uncomfortable. Uh -huh. <laughs> like I was reading through all the reviews and they're like, why does Tim Curry sound like he's orgasming through this whole movie? Boy. Well, that's Tim Curry for you. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes like the fairies have to protect 
they have to stop the loggers while also destroying Hexus, which I don't know what Hexus means. I like mean, just generic bad sounding name. Yeah. But I thought the actual animation of Hexus was pretty cool. Like I'm going to show you a picture of him like yeah, he's like an evil cool. skeleton like when they start destroying him. It's very creepy it's kind of scary it's not as bad as the end of sleeping beauty like that uh, movie scared wait, sleeping me beauty. what happens to sleeping beauty the like evil uh i don't know like the castle and i, I never I watched it i stopped it that was horrifying yeah the end of, i just i wonder if that's sleeping an environmental movie <laughs> brave little toaster it does take place largely in a landfill i I thought about it when thinking about animated films and I was like, I don't remember what they actually do. Yeah. They're just tossed into a landfill and try to get back. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Never watch Brave Little yeah. Toaster. <laughs> <It's terrifying. laughs> um, so there's a lot going on in this movie, but they do like create it so it's for children, like bad guys, good guys, and then lots of like, we have to save the trees can't you hear the trees are like dying they're in pain and like all this stuff and like don't carve your name in them that you're killing them <laughs> stuff like yeah. that um but realistic wise the logging threat is real but the magic fairies are not very realistic mm, <laughs> so i'm gonna give me. it a four on the scale of one to ten <laughs> so you're telling me hedora is more likely to happen than the fairies i think so okay, okay. i think so um but it is very I do like that they kind of, I guess a lot of Disney movies do this though, where they have this like very mythical like explanation in the beginning so kids can like, oh, I understand in very simple ways and like, we shouldn't do this. So yeah. that's kind of the moral of the story. Don't cut down the rainforest, but the solution to the problem is just magic. Hmm. I mean, that's, that'd be nice. So yeah, it's it's so dumb because like, all the trees get cut down and the evil machinery and stuff. They use their magic to destroy it. And then they make the trees grow super fast. So it's like, that's not realistic for children. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just going to be like, if I cut down this tree, I'll just grow back because the fairies are going to come. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, do you remember anything from this movie? Nope. It's been a long time. <laughs> I know they made a second one too. Yeah. But... I think it's probably less, I less think interesting. Fern Gully and um, uh, Land Before Time are on the same VHS uh, tape that we like taped off TV. Yeah. So <laughs> that's about all I remember. All I, right. I preferred Land Before Time as a kid. I do. My favorite moment, though, is when Tim Curry's evil uh, musical number mm. where he makes love to poisonous gas and sludge. <laughs> It's good. Would you like to see the sludge like this? <laughs> yeah, basically. He's doing his uh, Rocky Horror it's the singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Fern Gully. Sorry, I didn't pull up my rating. I thought Harper would contribute more. I don't have any. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just been, I haven't seen it since I was like five years old. I only gave it three stars, which is higher than some movies we watched this month. Uh, it's on Tubi, Ouch. Pluto, and Shout Factory. <laughs> Shout Factory, really? Yeah. Huh. Now you're like, oh no, I'll watch it. No, it's just surprising. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh yeah, one of the characters' name is Zach, but it's spelled Z-A-K. Oh. Because he's, he's so he bodacious, surfer? basically. Yeah. Christian Slater. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Slater's just there. I thought he was going to be the main he's person. Just there. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's kind of controlling and jealous of the main fairy, Krista. He likes her, but she's not committing to him. So Krista's until like Zach a male shows fairy? up. Yeah. Oh, okay. He plays a flute. <laughs> oh my God! I forgot about Robin Williams though, who plays a bat who has been experimented on is in he medical. Like, ah! Yes, he is. <laughs> That's how he announces himself, and yeah. he has this like little antenna attached to his head because, and he hates humans. He's like, humans are evil. They did this to me. But he gets like radio transmissions, so mm -hmm. every time he's like getting into it, like something comes in, and he's like, ah, how uh, clean up an aisle five or whatever. Weird. Um, but he also raps like immediately. And oh, it's like, oh, that's almost when I turned it off. Because it's like, no, I can't take Robin uh, Williams. Why did Robin Williams have to rap in everything? He rapped a lot, yeah. I don't get problem. it. Is he that hip? Yes, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, I forgot about that. But you want to hear the runtime on this? 68 minutes. 76 minutes. Oh, that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> that's why I was like... I might as well finish it. I'm like halfway through. Yeah. So um, it is very I short. I love a 70 minuter. Yeah. <laughs> so you can watch it if you want. I I wouldn't recommend it for Earth Day, though. <laughs> Fair. Um, so, Harper. You're about to beat. Boy, you've got three in a row you got to tell me all about. Yeah. Well, I've, you've seen this one, though. I have seen this one. Uh, I should have made you watch again, it. Again, I saw it as a kid and I probably fell asleep. Why would you TV? fall asleep through this movie? It's, it's super amazing. long, isn't it? I don't think it's that long. Well, as a, how old was I? Seven years old when this came out? It was very well, long. Well, you probably didn't watch it when it well, came when out. When it TV premiered, I feel like <laughs> when we watched it on TV. This or maybe movie Dad rented it from Blockbuster or something. It's two hours and 15 minutes. <sighs> it is not that long. That's pretty but long. But I guess we should say what the movie is. And that is Waterworld. Oh, boy. <laughs> which came out in 1995. <laughs> Um, in a futuristic world where the polar ice caps have melted and made Earth a liquid planet, a beautiful barmaid rescues a mutant seafarer from a floating island prison. They escape along with her young charge, Enola. Enola. And sail now. off aboard his ship. Why, Enola. Why would Enola. they do that? Enola, like the Enola gay. <laughs> so directed by Kevin Reynolds, who did... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Count of Monte Cristo, hmm. Tristan and Isolde, bunch of weird stuff I've never seen, uh, and starring, sorry, it was written by Peter Rader and David Twohey. Didn't that guy Twohey? direct something um, we did on a podcast because that name's so weird. I feel like we... The Twohey dude? You wrote The Fugitive. I love The Fugitive. Oh, he did now. Pitch Black. <laughs> Pitch Black, Chronicles uh, of Riddick, Riddick, G.I. Jane, <laughs> Gremlin, or Critters too. Not so Gremlins. this is like the Riddick guy. Wow. Ooh. Um, and it's starring Kevin Costner, Gene Triplehorn, and Dennis Hopper. So story-wise, this takes place in the year 2500. And the climate issue is... Cleopatra. Huh? Cleopatra 2525. 25. <laughs> So that was happening simultaneously? <laughs> yes, 25 years after this. <laughs> um, so this is all about the polar ice caps melting and mass flooding. The oceans are all uh, taking over everything. Mm -hmm. So story-wise, it takes place 2,500. And basically, this is Mad Max, but with water, which I don't know if it makes it interesting because they're just stealing a 
They just flipped it. They're like, what if we do Mad Max? But instead of the desert, there's too much water. Well, and water's <laughs> just, I don't know. It feels like it'd be much slower than like Mad Max. Well, they have jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everybody has a boat. Go on. Well, it's the same, like, everyone has their car. So in this one, they all have their boats. Yeah. You get it? Cars, desert, boats, water. I was around when water. you started this movie, and it opens with Kevin Costner drinking his own pee. So he's being proactive, and <laughs> <laughs> there's no fresh water, he's Harper. It's ocean water. He's a mutie. Salty. Yeah. You can't have salt. <laughs> um. So unfortunately, the climate issue is a very small part of the plot. They basically just say it in the beginning, but they actually refer to an oil tanker accident from 1989, the Exxon Valdez oil spill. I can't believe you had didn't know. I was one. Yeah, I was too. But I know all about the Exxon Valdez. It was a major. I didn't know about it. Like I know about oil spills, but I didn't know there was like one huge one. Yeah, this was like the really bad one. So. This is, like, the only other time they mention, like, climate, environmental stuff. See, this is why I was not a fan of including this one. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are other movies we thought about that, like, for example, Interstellar, that we didn't include because it was like, okay, well, it starts with, like, the environment, but then it becomes, like, a different thing. It's not even on Earth. Yeah, but it's the whole point of Interstellar is that they... They go. They leave Earth because of the food crisis and the dust, second dust bowl because of climate change. And the same with this one. It's like, okay, literally, it's like before the credits even finish. But this, <laughs> I mean. But I get it. I get it. This is what's going to happen, Harper. Well, yeah, this might be our future. <laughs> so, yeah, there's uh, Dennis Hopper is on the, the oil tanker, the Valdez, and he continues to talk Valdez. to Valdez. Valdez. Valdez? Valdez. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a picture hanging up of the captain, Joseph Hazelwood, which like, how do you, would you feel if that was, you were responsible and like this movie Waterworld used your picture and name and likeness yeah. and they talked to him? Valdez. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> See, this is why we need my mom mistake button. Yeah, it's just like that, that weird Google thing now that shows a mouth moving Valdez. when it does, shows you pronunciations. Um, and so Dennis Hopper is constantly talking to him. He's like, after generations of uh, uh, something, we'll finally regain our name. Like, is he a descendant so, from him? Like, so the tanker they're on is the Valdez? Yes. Did it never sink or spill? It's kind of like the bottom of it has a, like, it's attached to like, a, um, not a landmass, but it's maybe like it's floating. Okay. And then they use big rowers to make it move. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Boy. But yeah, also it's all about oil because they're freaking out. They're running out of oil. Yeah. Which there is no way they would have. Still have oil 500 yes, years later. Like they would have used that up with their jet ski and around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Dennis Har- Hopper is insane. He has an eye what? patch. Uh, he loses an eye. It pops out at one point. It's awesome. Um, so he's very fun to uh, watch in this movie. Yeah, I feel like we almost watched this when we did our impromptu Dennis Hopper fest yeah. after he passed away. He's very tan, too. We decided to do speed <laughs> instead. And I feel like everybody would be pretty tan. Yeah. Um, and then this also dives into Kevin uh, Costner's character, who is a mutant. 
he has gills. He's evolved to be a fish man. Yeah, and they're like very a, uh, racist against gill people. I have a question. <laughs> if this really happened and there was literally no... Well, there is, it turns out there is some land left, right? But yes, not much. Not much. But uh, wouldn't people just die because there would be no oxygen from trees? I'm not or sure. Or I guess maybe algae, but I don't know if that'd be enough. I can't remember if they eat algae or not. But I just mean like oxygen production like well there is like a little prison-ish village that they do have one giant tree (laughs) so like i don't know and then they go through this whole weird thing where they like when people die they throw them in this mud pit thing (laughs) i don't know the ins and outs of the science of water world but that's just me (laughs) um but yeah uh, and then with Kevin Costner and all his like weird little inventions and stuff, you get to his barmaid hostage lady. Yeah. Like he takes her underwater to see the remnants of the cities and stuff. So it's like it was under us the whole time. <laughs> they they go underwater like uh like the Gungan city, like yeah. the Jedi with their little yes, it's exactly readers. like that. Got it. <laughs> So episode one, still from Waterworld. And that's where he gets all his dirt and like sells it to people because dirt is super scarce and valuable. Dirt is gold. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm, you know. (laughs) So realistically, I rated it two. Less realistic than Fern Gully. (laughs) So polar ice I'm glad that my Godzilla movie is the third least yeah, realistic. so far. <laughs> Godzilla's more likely than two of the other two movies. We've yeah, watched. so the actual ice caps melting, yes. I don't know, like, I mean, yeah, the extent of flooding. Like, how bad would it be if they are completely gone? Is this actually... I, I don't know if that's the research I they did. I could be wrong, but I would think even if they completely flooded, it wouldn't... It would Obviously, all the coastal areas would be gone, but yeah. like, I don't think it would cover, like, 95% of the I planet. don't think it would either. Um, and then the big reveal when they find the last island of land, it's Mount it? Everest, oh, the highest no. point, <laughs> a.k.a. it's just Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Harley's tickling me. <laughs> if, we go to, if we ever take a trip to Hawaii, we're going to ask them to do the Waterworld tour. Yeah, show me where Kevin Costner had gills. <laughs> and he's all like, I don't belong on land. <laughs> and he like goes can off. He, can he breathe underwater? Yeah, he has gills. Oh, boy. And webbed feet. <laughs> you get to see them. <laughs> oh, man. And then little Anola, she's uh, the key to all of this. Why? She has a tattoo on her back of where to find land. And it's Why? very hazy. Like her parents died and they sent like she and her parents lived at Mount Everest and they knew they were dying. And so they sent her with like a map on her back somehow like, how did she get out there? I have a question. <laughs> uh, if she's supposed to be like Tibetan or Himalayan, how white is she? She's so white. They just braid <laughs> her hair. Called it. Everybody in this movie is white. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just have like braided hair and tans. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I don't think there's any black people or people of color. Yeah, that's a problem. It is. <laughs> um. So, yeah, giving it a two. Moral of the story, boat to Everest. The last island in the entire world. I mean, yeah, that's clearly, that's a good solution. I mean, find high ground. Like, shoot, I think we're okay coastal-wise, maybe. We might have a beachfront no, property be. one day. Yeah, we'd be <laughs> in trouble. We're pretty low yeah. altitude, I believe. And then my favorite moment's just Dennis Hopper being mad and yelling all the time. I mean, yeah, that's always great. Yeah. 
and his fake eyeball. What did you <laughs> What did you give this like actual letterbox rating? I gave this a two and a half. Maybe a two. Wow. <laughs> 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 Excellent Earth Day movie, but yeah, it's I guess great. it's uh, it's environmental. It and it's a different. We don't have any other movies that cover like uh, ice caps melting. And yeah, it. I forgot. Actually, my next movie is about ice caps melting. Oh boy! Um, but <laughs> Jack Black is actually in this movie. I didn't uh, realize at the time, but he's a, a pilot. He flies around, and he has like one scene where he yells. It's funny. Yeah. But yeah, so go see Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make Harley talk into the mic. <laughs> Oh, she's just breathing. <laughs> Little piggy. <laughs> anyway, that is Waterworld. Don't watch it. So we made it halfway through our list. Now let's... It's all good movies from here on out. <laughs> mm, sure it is. <laughs> it almost is after I get through this one. <laughs> so next on our list is The Day After Tomorrow. No! <laughs> <laughs> so this came out in that was my live reaction yeah you did not want to watch this with me nope. <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> i have to include the good and the bad well i will say when we started looking up other lists of like movies uh environmentally themed movies this was on like every list because it is about the environment it's just so unrealistic it's just stupid yeah. yeah so this came out in 2004 and it is a the earth after tomorrow <laughs> so after years of increases in the greenhouse effect havoc is wrecked wreaked wrecked globally in the form of catastrophic hurricanes tornadoes tidal waves floods in the beginning of a new ice age paleoclimatologist jack hall tries to warn the world while also shepherding to safety his son trapped in new york after si the city is overwhelmed by the start of a new big freeze i want to know what's interesting this movie 2012 and geostorm those three movies are they all the same movie basically i think this one is about climate 2012 was about the like Aztec calendar. But is it not also climate related? I mean, it's the end of the world, yeah. so there's catastrophic events. Geostorm, I have no idea. I think it's I imagine it's a sun all solar the same flare. stuff happens except that it's caused by like a supervillain with like a satellite. No. <laughs> it's not. I'm pretty sure it's a solar flare or something. Geostorm. Network of satellites designed to control the global climate starts to Called attack it. Earth. So the evil satellites turn on us. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. That's why we shouldn't be using uh, AI, folks. So I'm going to guess day after tomorrow ranks higher than all of those, Probably. which is pretty bad. So this was directed by Roland Emmerich. Oh, boy. My favorite. Yeah. What, what's your favorite of his? My favorite is probably Independence Day, which I don't Woke like. Woke up to Arf. So <laughs> he also did Godzilla and uh, that Moonfall. Moonfall. He did 2012 as well. <laughs> what a surprise. But not... You, oh, he did the first Stargate. I used to like that movie. Did he really? That's maybe yeah. the only good movie he ever did. Um, he also wrote this with Jeffrey Nachmanoff. Um, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, and Ian Holm. Ian Holm. What were you thinking? I know. It's probably like one of his last movies. Maybe not. Anyway, Ian Holm is just playing a Scottish dude <laughs> in Scotland. 
looking yeah. at boobies. Looking at boobies? Yeah. Somebody said boobies at first. No. And I was like, what are you doing, he Ian Holm? the breast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, genre of the climate issue. Mm-hmm. The polar ice caps are melting. The ocean currents are changing. And extreme weather events all happen in like one day. Well, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Is it like... From the beginning, from the polar ice cap starting to like crack off and stuff, how long does it take for all this crazy stuff to happen? Weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> And it's so dumb. It's like obviously just Hollywood, whatever, because they start off like Dennis Quaid is like getting ice cores from the Antarctic and then the ice shelf breaks off through the middle of their camp and he has to dramatically jump over it and stuff. And then he like writes up this paper like... Uh, something off the ice cores like if the ocean currents if too much fresh water is in, poured into the ocean from the polar ice caps then it's going to mess up the currents and so, it could take like years before that happens but then no it's yeah. like weeks <laughs> so yeah not to like jump ahead but is like I wonder if this stuff is all based in like real things that will happen, except that it's just condensed into like a ridiculous timeline. I think so. I mean, because like a lot of this stuff has more extreme weather events have happened. It's just, are there going to be six like F5 tornadoes in Los Angeles on one day? Probably not. Maybe one big tornado. What about a volcano in LA? There's no volcanoes in this, surprisingly. I guess volcanoes are not a weather event. No. No earthquakes or volcanoes. Just tornadoes, tsunamis, and polar vortexes. Hmm. Which we've all experienced a polar vortex now, just not to this extent. What do they call it? A, bo- a bomb storm? I don't know. Or whatever. Um. So anyway, this takes place in the present day. So like 2004. Um... Like we kind of already discussed, it just condenses all of the like global climate stuff. I don't even know if they say climate change and they are more, it's not about the earth heating up. They think the earth is going to reset and like put everyone in an ice age, which Hmm. is where the polar vortexes come into play. Yeah. Because they're like, it'd be more fun if the Statue of Liberty froze. (laughs) Instead of melting. <laughs> and then he's like, and then the moon falls. And they're like, no, yeah. we'd save that for another <laughs> episode, another movie. Um, so you get evil wolves because the animals escape from the zoo. Mm-hmm. You get evil tornadoes because that's the thing. The tornadoes are always evil. Evil snow instantly freezes people to death. Mm. Evil water floods, tsunamis, uh, and evil people who don't want to take People seriously about climate change. So you have the evil Dick Cheney vice president. It sounds like in this circumstance, there's nothing they can do about it, though, anyways. You'll see when I get to the moral of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this entire thing, it all takes place in like a matter of. I think the tornadoes start, and then like there's in the background, there's like a hurricane, like. A historic record landfall of rain, like all in the news background stuff. So like things are happening. But then when the ocean currents start changing, that's when everything goes to (laughs) S-H-I-T. So you get like the flooding and all the storms and stuff. Um, And for some reason, Jake Gyllenhaal has to be in New York for this like mathlete thing. (laughs) 
because he's a 24 year old in high school (laughs) Uh and his dad dennis quaid is a paleoclimatologist so he's like guys my dad said we have to stay inside (laughs) because if not you put your arm outside and it'll freeze like in Snowpiercer. Yes, that's basically getting to that point. Yeah. <laughs> so they all take shelter in like the public New York Public Library because you're going to have to burn books, bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's them like kind of surviving. And then this stupid girl like cuts her leg on something and they have to go out like right before the polar vortex is going to come to find medicine. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. Way to make her a damsel. <laughs> well, how does the movie end? Is it just like the end of human society? So we all migrate to Mexico. Oh. It's also about uh, immigration. immigration. Yeah. <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the president is like, I have to make a deal with Mexico to let us in. <laughs> so wait, is this, all this bad stuff only happening in the U.S.? <laughs> well, Ian Holm is in Scotland and they all freeze. The queen, the royal family die because the helicopter they're in gets instantly frozen and the gas lines <laughs> freeze. They don't show the queen, oh but they're like, her helicopter went down. <laughs> but yeah, it's a global thing because there's also astronauts watching from space. <laughs> so they're like, oh, Houston, we see a giant storm forming over the entire I can't world. Oh, <laughs> uh, Houston. <laughs> Wow. It's so dumb, but amazing. Or is it? No, is it? No. <laughs> the answer is no. The answer is always no. Um, <laughs> I think the Coke is kicked in. No, I can tell. So how realistic is this? I'm going with a middle. I'm going to say a five because the doomsday aspect of it is not realistic. But I'm going to say everything in smaller doses is so yeah, like the stuff that happens is stuff that it happens on a much slower scale. Yes. So yeah. we would slowly be flooded, not instantly flooded. And like, I'm sure the temperature would gradually get colder after it gets really, really hot first. Yeah. Like maybe we will get in another ice age. Who knows? <laughs> It'll be a while though. Yeah. <laughs> but the moral of the story or the solution to climate problems. Go Hit me with it. There is no solution. It's too late. Ouch. <laughs> All the That's also probably most realistic. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, the government aspect seems pretty realistic because it's like Dennis Quaid is trying to convince people like we need to start making changes, cut carbon emissions, blah, blah, blah. And all the Republicans are like, no, we aren't going to do that. It's all made up. <laughs> yeah. And then the Dick Cheney dude has to like become president and move everyone to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite moment is the long speech about the Gutenberg Bible when they're in the library. It doesn't. Well, it's like, if I'm going to save anything, it's going to be the creation of mankind's words or whatever. (laughs) Because it's the first book. Is that really in the New York library? There's a few Gutenbergs. Oh, okay. But... They're pretty rare. Like Steve Gutenberg? No. <laughs> um, or the puppy. There's a cute little puppy. Does he survives. No. Oh, okay. He lives. He has to run from the ice vortex. Of course he does. Like, 
<laughs> he belongs to the magical homeless man who uh, has all yeah. the answers. <laughs> yeah, well, you there always we get go. one of those. Yeah, this is very early 2000s uh, filmmaking. Like, the homeless people know how to survive. Let's make him, like, the answer to everything. Yikes. He's like, we'll just find food in the garbage cans. <laughs> Boy. Pack newspapers in here and keep your arms warm. What, like, oh what a God. picture. What a picture. Yeah. So I gave this two and a half stars, and you'd have to pay to rent it, so don't. <laughs> God, you paid to watch this? No. I think I did find this on, like, Canopy or... Pluto or something, oh, okay. but it's not listed now, so okay. I don't know. <laughs> Boy, I'm so glad we included. I mean, that. I saw this in theaters when it came. <laughs> Did out. you really? Yes. Why? Because I was like in middle school, and it was the thing to do. Harper. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All the cool kids wanted to see the day after tomorrow. <laughs> All right, I'll let you take over the next movie. Sure. Well, I talked about it on an episode like three episodes ago. Yeah, we talk about this one all the time because it applies to everything. And it's a great movie. <laughs> and that is Wally from 2008. Yay! Uh, is this the first movie on our list that's on Criterion? I have no idea. I think yes. Day After yes, Tomorrow so. no, might well, be. No, well, technically Godzilla vs. Hedorah is on. <laughs> yeah, no. Day After Tomorrow is <laughs> not on Criterion. Very funny. Uh, so in Wally, in a distant future, a small waste-collecting robot inadvertently embarks on a space journey what? that will ultimately decide the fate of mankind. That's a lot of stress for him. It's true. Directed by Andrew Stanton, written by Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, and Jim Reardon, and stars Ben Burt, Alyssa Knight, and Jeff Garland, and a few other folks. So, Wally, never heard of it. What's the story <laughs> or genre of climate issue? Well, the climate <laughs> issue is mostly uh, land, like landfill style pollution. <laughs> like the movie begins where definitely are essentially like uh, the entire earth is like one giant landfill. It's just covered in garbage. And it's and very Wally's specifically. Job is to clean it up. I think importantly, it's specifically uh, lots of garbage from this one mate, like Mondo Corporation. That's essentially like Walmart style. Probably but, um, Amazon like now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they have presented like a solution. They're like, leave Earth and in a few years we'll clean up the planet and you can come back yeah. and resettle back down. You just go on this nice cruise in the meantime. <laughs> and then like, you know, hundreds Wait. of years pass. Nice. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> wow, get to use this. It happens. <laughs> so it takes place in the year 2805. Is this the latest of all? Waterworld was 2500. Yeah, this is post-Waterworld. And Cleopatra 2525. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to love that show. What even is that about? Cleopatra 25. Did I clone 25. Cleopatra? And no, she like wakes a, up. She's like a teen in the future. <laughs> I, don't know. I honestly can't remember. That's super weird. Cleopatra 2525. I just know that theme song because you used to sing it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we don't have to go into Wally too much because we've talked about it very recently on our sound episode back in February. Um, but yeah, essentially it's like, uh, you know, they're trying to, the original plan was to recolonize Earth, but the corporation kind of hid it from everybody that like they knew that was not possible. And they're like, you should just stay in space yeah, and never come home. Um, except that Wally is like, uh, Wally and Eva are like, uh, uh, that's not the plan. <laughs> Here's a plant that we found in the garbage and we're going to... Earth re is back. Yeah. In a big way. And so the human beings who have like never been on Earth, like it's been like 10 generations or whatever. Yeah. 
uh, have to by the at the end they end up coming back to Earth to like clean it up, actually clean it up and replant and learn how to farm, farm. again. <laughs> so it's a very like kind of hopeful. It's a very negative look at first, and then it's a hopeful look. But it, I think it's interesting that a a Disney movie of of probably all these, this one is probably the most, or maybe one of the most like anti corporate movies on our list. Certainly of the kids movies, yeah, um, it's very like anti corporate, um, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean Wally's awesome, right? We love Wally. I love Wally. He's so cute. <laughs> he is cute and. Uh, so how realistic is the climate and science stuff in this movie? 10. Sure. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I could see this happening, like it, not, not like on the, like, entire I don't think we'd all leave scale. on a cruise though. No, but I could see a corporation being people, like, we'll though. take care of it and acting like they're going to do it. And they're not really doing we'll anything. We'll all go to the moon. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, essentially in like kind of a satire way, it feels fairly realistic. Yes. And we do have robots starting, so little robots. <laughs> um, what's the moral of the story, Michelle? Fall in love and grow little plants together. That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> Basically, all you got to do, grow little plants and love other robots, yeah. right? Yeah. Robot love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's about not over consuming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely, no yeah, I didn't really say production. that. <laughs> Yeah. Recycle, reuse, repurpose. Grow what you need. Don't uh don't just overconsume and become a big slob that rides around on a little chair. Although <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, Yeah. What are what's our favorite moment from Wally? What do you think? Mine is when he you see all his little collection of things. Yeah. Because like, he has like his spork and he doesn't know. Is it a fork? Is, is yeah. it a spoon? <laughs> yeah, his whole shelf of collections. It's just funny. It's kinda like Waterworld where he has his little collection of weird things. Just like Waterworld. Like his his crayons. He loves his crayons. Crayons? Crayons. <laughs> weird. Do you say crowns? I say crowns. crowns. When I was a kid, I was crayons. Like, it's like, it's so weird that crown and crown are spelled so differently. <laughs> crayons. <laughs> when I say little, I mean like a few years ago. Um, <laughs> What's yeah. your favorite moment? I mean, that's a really good one. I like when uh, Wally and Eva are like flying around in space with the um, uh, fire extinguisher. That yes. part. I think that's a really cool scene. But the whole movie's great. I mean, we talked about Wally several times. It's one of the best. Yeah, Wally's definitely better than Ferngully, I think, for... Is it the best animated movie about environmentalism? Definitely. Yeah. I was thinking the Lorax. I've never seen it, but yeah, it's all about trees either. and Dr. Seuss land, so that could be another one. Um, but I don't know if there's any other animated ones. There were a couple we had thought about, I thought, right? Oh, yeah, there's some we'll mention at Honorable Oh, yeah, mentions. I know. One was a very close I, i've thought about including we just didn't have time yeah. to watch it again but wally is definitely a good for this generation it's our fern golly for them <laughs> uh yeah no and i think it's one of the best animated movies ever made seed. in general it's plant great. the seed harper you don't need magical fairies you just need magical robots you just need to care is i <laughs> yeah, think actually the basically motto. just care care a little bit yeah <laughs> just care just care yeah, and don't trust corporations <laughs> yeah so, Wally. Um, next up. No, you didn't say where it was from. Oh. Or streaming. I don't have it up. Let's see. Wally is streaming on Disney Plus. I gave it five stars. I rarely give five stars. Yeah, you're even more stingy rarely. than I am about it. Yeah, I think, rarely. I, I think Wally's a five star <laughs> for me, too. So, definitely 
it's perfect for little kids and adults to learn something about themselves. <laughs> you ready to go way dark? Yes, we're going. Actually, we're about to go really dark for pretty much the rest of the movies. Right, from here on out, it's all grown-up talk. Yeah. No more <laughs> kids. No more fairies and magic dust. Put on your waders. Time to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> so this is probably our most abstract movie. Definitely. Um, and that is, you spelt it wrong. Yeah. Mother! With an exclamation point. And no capital M. Is it lowercase? It is lowercase. Mother! which came out Mother. in 2017. <laughs> so a couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence, a.k.a. Mother Earth and God? I think... Jesus? Uh, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think Javier Bardem is rep- representing just like mankind. humankind. Yeah. Humankind. So Mother Earth and mankind are tested when uninvited guests, a.k.a. overpopulation... Slash religion, war, war, disrupt their peaceful Gaia existence. Yeah. (laughs) Directed by Darren Aronofsky. Written by Darren Aronofsky. Starring Darren Aronofsky. (laughs) Does he ever do cameos? I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) Um, So this stars Jennifer Lawrence, Harvey R. Bardem, Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Is this the only Jennifer Lawrence performance that we really like a lot? She's good in Hunger Games. I mean, yeah, she's fine in that. I just don't really care about those movies. Yeah, we never finished them, so who knows? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence does so much. S-H-I-T. I don't care about, though. Yeah, she so does a lot of really dumb movies. I don't want to watch Silver Linings. We liked her as Mystique in X-Men. Yeah, that's true. In those, uh, yeah, in uh, First Class. But yeah, she's done so out. many bad movies. They're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, but she's a great actress. Actress. She can be, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Acting. <laughs> what's uh what's the climate issue here at play? Humans suck. Yep, that's that's what I think. Religion sucks, humans suck. Basically that they ruin everything. There's no way for So a movie another movie that's gonna be in our honorable mentions kind of deal with deals with this too, but like I feel like this movie kind of says that uh, humans and like a healthy planet Earth cannot coexist together. Yeah, it's very depressing. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to watch for sure. <laughs> also, we don't really know what year it takes place. Because it's very like, it's clearly not in like the real world or like increasingly. It is not starts in the real off, world. you think, well, we don't see cars, we don't see tech. Well, yeah, they live in things. this house in the middle of like a field we like there's just assume they're like a, like a rural yeah like but community like increasingly becomes like okay clearly this is not like real like yeah like you know modern world or whatever so there's a lot of abstract ideas story-wise for um we there's a lot of different ways you can in- interpret the movie for this mm-hmm. podcast we're interpreting as like mother earth humans religion stuff like that but there's also stuff about like celebrity fame and i think feminist feminism there's, definitely a, there's a lot stuff about kind of misogynism i think take with it um but yeah one i think probably the strongest read on the movie is about just like basically the idea is that like this home is earth and She's Mother Earth, and uh, all these people just keep. There's more and more people, and they keep not paying attention to what she's telling them to do. Yeah, and, and she's trying to fix up the home. Mm-hmm. She's constantly like using like real materials, like organic stuff, mm-hmm. trying to like natural 
ways to make everything better and then they come in and ruin it all (laughs) yeah they're like messing up the house and then then it becomes even more crazy where it becomes like there's like a war that breaks out in the house and there's like gunfire and explosions and then there's like a religious stuff where it's basically all these like human human uh creations like war and religion are how bad they are for the planet and it gets very chaotic very quickly. Yes. Like, it's very condensed. Although, maybe it's not. Like, humans are only, like, what, a blink of an eye in Yeah, but it's essentially <laughs> supposed to be kind of telling, like, a thousand years of human history in, like, yeah. you know, one day. <laughs> also, my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> People not listening to me and breaking my things. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Uninvited guests. Ugh. So it's hard to say realistically. <laughs> it's not very realistic, but it's Let's because it's all zero. very abstract <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not realistic in any way, really. No, it's, it's just not. because it's all just kind of metaphor. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's the solution to the problem? What did I say? The sink is embraced yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the solution in the movie is to use fire to rebirth and re uh yeah, continue the cycle. Burn everything down and then you know, but then earth is uh, uh, uh too nice to us and it allows us to start over. Yeah. Start That's over. what would happen after the end of day after tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take Jennifer Lawrence's uh crystal heart and then start over. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the moral is like when, when mother earth tells you to not sit on that sink, (laughs) don't sit on the goddamn sink. Don't sit on it. (laughs) When you keep getting signs that you're doing the wrong thing, that's hurting the planet. You gotta quit. You just got to cut it out. Cut it out. Everybody. (laughs) So what's your favorite moment? I mean, the whole movie is kind of one big moment. Like, I mean, yeah. but uh, I mean, I think the when the party really the sink moment is probably the one I, I always think about with this movie because it's such a like that's to me that's like the perfect place where it blends like this uninvited house guest concept with like the metaphor, mm-hmm. uh, and it feels very like you're just like that's when you start to get really really uncomfortable and like just yeah. on edge because it's like so awful it's what's happening and yeah and then it just gets much crazier from there yeah the party scene is where it all starts to change because up to that point you're like oh it's just uninvited like ed harris and michelle pfeiffer being kind of rude yeah and then javier bardem being like no they're amazing i love them yeah <laughs> um but yeah then the party it's like oh more people more and more and more people on this they're like making sh- religious shrines all over your house. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's an issue. Then it's like, this is going to change. <laughs> and as the lady sitting behind us in the theater said, it is way too early in the morning for all this. Yeah. <laughs> as we saw Mother at like 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, this is not a casual watch. No, it's not. I wouldn't say. <laughs> so, no, but it is a very great, a really cool movie that I like a lot. I like it too. Mother is definitely worth watching. But only when you're in the mood for some crazy chaos. <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, I gave it five stars. Four and a half. And, and it's on Hoopla. Yeah, Hoopla is the only place I was able to find it. So you need a library card. Having fun isn't hard when you got a library card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? It's the Arthur song. <laughs> I, did, I did not know that. You're really funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought you remember. I used to no. say it all the time. You're hilarious. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to another depressing climate movie. Oh, but so good. Yeah, this one's the best. And that is First Reformed, which also came out in 2017. So what was going on that year for the earth? Yeah, really. So a minister of a small congregation in upstate New York grapples with mounting despair brought on by tragedy, worldly concerns, and a tormented past. Directed by Paul Schrader, written by Paul Schrader, starring... Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. And Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> no, he's not. Yes, he is. He plays no, the, he's not. I'm not joking. He plays the, the head of the church. I thought it was the other guy. Nope, it's Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, my God. This is one of his first, like, serious roles. He doesn't, it's, he's credited he doesn't even like make Cedric jokes. whatever instead <laughs> of Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, his whole, his actual name, his, like, his middle name is The? Cedric the Entertainer on, on Letterboxd. I had no idea. It's like Entertainer, Cedric, Cedric comma, the, or whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, boy. First Reformed. What's the climate issue here? Because it's, uh, it's, this is, I don't know. This is where it gets serious. This is probably like one of, like, clear cut more about eco terrorism slash. Corporation greed and helplessness. Yes. Um, there's also a lot of religious stuff, kind of like mother, I guess. So, yeah, a little bit. But this is definitely more about like uh, a young man trying to grapple with the earth is dying and nobody's doing anything and everything's getting worse and worse. And his only thought is like, I have to like blow something up. And, but then, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess depressing. we don't want to spoil it too much, but essentially, this uh, this minister who has like this kind of troubled past um, meets Amanda Amanda Seafried and her husband, who are climate activists. And he, yeah, he's like basically has this like kind of debate with with the guy about uh, you know uh, climate change and whether there's an actual solution or not. Um, and it really kind of like wakes up and radicalizes Ethan Hawke. And he's like, well, you know, I'm part of this, this massive thing called like Christianity. Maybe we can do something about it. Like with the church, like it's our our duty to, to our people to actually make it, try and make a difference. And just constantly running up against like corporate greed. And like, yes, the church is also like owned by essentially owned by the corporation. I think that's when he starts to change because it's like, Oh, this like, I don't even remember what is it oil company. I think so. It's some sort of heavy pollutant company actually is like responsible for restoring his church. Right. And like, is going to be putting on this event and like, and then you start seeing how, all that money they're like politically swaying like Mm -hmm. and trying to make it seem like they're the good guys just by pumping as much money into like community service stuff yep so it's like even even uh religion that's supposed to be this like pure moral thing is totally swayed by Mm -hmm. and and ignoring the problem um so churches are bad yeah so it's just super super interesting because it like shows this gradual change of this person into becoming like very radicalized and like, uh, you know, realizing that something more drastic has to be done. Yeah. And then for a Paul Schrader film, 
I guess I don't have to talk about technically, but the cinematography is great in this movie. And then there's some weird stuff too. And like weird, no one want to say hallucinations because they're not really hallucinating. It's a little more like abstract. Yeah. Some abstract like visual stuff going on. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this is one of his like best newer movies he's ever made. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the score is really good too. I mean, like everything, I think this movie is kind of a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just super fascinating. It's such a great idea. Yeah. It's a very simple idea and I like how they intertwine the religious stuff into it too. Yeah. It takes the question of like the, like kind of overused religious question of like, why would God let bad things happen to good people? And it's turns it on like, why would the church not do something about these bad things happening in the world? Yeah. And I think even ask like the mega church people, it's like, well, shouldn't we be protecting like God's creations, like the environment and stuff. And they're like, stop bringing that up. Yeah. (laughs) They like find other scripture to like contradict (laughs) what he's quoting. Yeah. 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 It Um, is interesting because it's not really anti like, God or anti-faith, but it's anti-organized religion for sure. And corporate religion, I would say. And then, yeah, there's more about like taking drastic changes in this with the like, uh, like bomb, bomb stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which we won't go into much detail, but it does play a, a major part throughout. Yeah. Um, how realistic is the climate science in this movie? I mean, all of it's real. Yeah, I'm so. going to say 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in the location that they're talking about mm-hmm. is a, a real place and with a real disaster. And um, yeah, I mean, it's all based in real stuff that's happening. So 10. This yes. could totally happen. Um, but the, And in the movie, the moral solution of the story is essentially our last two movies are going to be kind of in this vein uh, that more drastic measures. We can't just keep talking about it. Like something has to something big and radical and potentially violent has to happen. Yeah. At some point. What's your favorite moment? (laughs) Well, I think you want to talk about yours. So there's a moment in the movie when Ethan Hawke is getting so annoyed by this Bible lady he was dating and she keeps hovering over him and he tells her off and he's like, I loathe you. Yeah. Like you disgust me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, is she she dies inside. Yeah. <laughs> but she reminds me of the midnight midnight mass yeah, it's lady. Funny, but she's really not like a bad person. But I don't know. Well, she mostly just wants him to like get checked up by a doctor and stuff, but she also is just so involved in the church and stuff. And I don't know. It's interesting. She's too much. She's a much more nuanced <laughs> character than that midnight mass character. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I really like, I don't know, just the whole sequence leading up to the very, the end of the climax, it's like super intense and uh, the music really just adds like this level of tension for the last like half hour of the movie that's just like, uh, it's yeah. painful to watch. If you, if you watch this movie and don't have like a physical reaction to it, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. It's, yeah, this movie's incredible. It is. It's a great one. Um, is it streaming anywhere? Yes. It's on Max. <laughs> It's on HBO Max and and Canopy. Canopy. Yeah. It's really good. Is Canopy a library card one too, or is it just? Yes. Okay. So get them library cards. What's what we always say? 
I just forgot. Life isn't hard. It's not. Wait, what is it? <laughs> uh, something's more fun when you got a library card. No, you just said I it. know. I don't know. My brain is shutting now. Having fun, Having isn't, fun hard. isn't hard when you've got a library card. Okay, <laughs> he sings it too. It's a song. <laughs> yeah, but if you sing in a library, you get in trouble. You get shished by a lady with a. Only tight if you're on the quiet tail. floors. <laughs> it's a stereotype. We're trying to break Harper. Yeah, okay. So, first reformed is more depressing than mother or less depressing? They're equally depressing. Yeah, first reformed is <laughs> one of the most depressing movies I think you can watch, but it is so good. Yeah, definitely see first reformed ASAP. Yeah, if you haven't, that's one. Of, it's one of the best movies of the last ten years, I would say. And so, our last climate change movie is a brand new movie. Yeah, this was kind of inspired us to do this episode, is knowing we were going to get a chance to see this. Yes, and that is how to blow up a pipeline, which came out this year. Yeah, or, um, well, festivals last year, but wide release this mm-hmm. year, so we're counting it for this year. So a crew of environmental activists plot a daring plan to disrupt disrupt an oil pipeline directed by Daniel Goldhaber, written by Ariella Barr, Jordan Scholl, Daniel Goldhaber. I think it's called Haber, but... I like saying whatever. Haber, though. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> Goldhaber. <laughs> Starring... Ugh, there's no commas. You read Ariella Barrer, Forrest Goodluck, <laughs> Sasha Lane, Lucas Gage, Jake Weary, Christine Froseth, Jamie Lawson, and Marcus Scribner. So we're not going to go... We are going to talk about this movie again on our monthly roundup, but we're going to stick to the climate aspects, I guess. Yes. And, and boy, not I cannot, our overall impression. I cannot wait to talk about more about this movie yeah. on the monthly one. Because, spoiler, it's awesome. Yes. Really awesome. So, genre or climate issue, it's all about fossil fuel industry and climate change mm-hmm. and a lot of just about pollution in general because some of the main characters are directly affected by like how they grew up next to like chemical plants yeah. and the health issues they've had and Esen- their family. Yeah, essentially everybody has had some kind of most everybody's had some kind of personal um negative effect from yeah, living near a factory or a heat wave as a result of climate change or their land getting uh, st- stolen by imminent yeah. domain by the government. And then just general land pollution from like oil pipelines ruining stuff. Yeah. And then there's the Native American aspect where there's like the company moves in and the, like build up. Is it oil too? Yeah. it's Well, yeah, it's an oil refinery. No, or in North Dakota or wherever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh. That's I mean, this fire coming out of a thing. It's some kind of refinery. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then people are moving up there and uh, taking their land away from the indigenous And then folks. there's just like the generic environmental mm-hmm. sabotage. <laughs> Your generic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, God, I want to get into so much more with this movie. We'll have to save that. But um, well, let's do some basic storyline stuff. Okay. So the year it takes place is current. Um, present day. So, um, basically this college student is involved in like, uh, they're, I think making a documentary about, um, about, uh, divesting. Yeah. Divest. It's more like a long-term solution. I don't, I've never heard of divest. Well, I I think it's, 
I don't know specifically what they're divesting from, but I mean, I, we've heard that in terms of like divesting money out of like policing and into other things instead. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's specifically about that or something else, but, um, or maybe divesting from fossil fuels is more like the specific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're making this thing. And, but the main girls, uh, Sochi is like, uh, this is cool and we're, but like, it's way too late for us to be doing these like longer term solutions. Like Mm -hmm. something, something more radical needs to happen now that'll get people's attention and actually make a difference. Yeah. Um, and so her and this other guy at the college start to make a plan and slowly they kind of recruit these other people who are all, have all been affected in different ways and from all over the country in different walks of life and, um, even different, like kind of political assumed different political viewpoints and things like that. Yeah. And the thing I like the most is that throughout you get all these different characters who, um, they each have their own take on like, some of them are like, yeah, we do need to do something bigger. And then some of them take convincing. And then there's other people's like, well, what gives you the right to decide? Like Mm -hmm. if this is the correct course of action, if we take gas away from people, it's going to hurt a bunch of poor people. Yeah. But it also will make a, a statement and potentially make a change. And the movie too is all about, um, this, uh, uh, this new approach that people are trying to do. It's called a necessity defense, Yeah, which is all about like, uh, it's like if you had a gun to your head and you killed that person because they had a gun to your head, you could claim that was like, I, it was, I committed a crime, but I did it out of necessity. So I'm innocent. And this is like, essentially the fossil fuel industry is putting a gun to, everyone's head and so something has to be done um also i like their approach in the entire movie how because i was thinking like well you blow up a pipeline you're just going to ruin everything like it's going to make a environmental disaster mm -hmm. but they approach that they explain how they're going to do it in a way that doesn't hurt the environment more than it's already right in a way that will spill a a only a very very tiny amount of oil like they they plan they plan the explosions and and yeah. stuff in a way that will minimize the effect. But this movie is tense. Boy, yeah, it's essentially a heist <laughs> movie with uh with that kind of environmental yeah. bent. Um, and it's yeah, it's super well well done. And we'll talk more about like the technical side of it in the monthly, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, how realistic is the science slash climate stuff in this one? Uh, pretty realistic. Yeah, I'd say for uh, ten. I'd say a hundred percent on this one. Hundred percent were a part of the scale, Harper. I'm sorry, ten percent <laughs> out of ten percent. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It is based on a book. Yeah, but the book is more like basically. It's a book explaining, uh, you know, that radical action needs to be taken. It's not really about like a heist, or not a heist, but it's not really about people actually blowing up a pipeline. Okay. Like it's, it's basically yeah, taking it's the concepts from that book and then kind of creating a story out of, out of other, like, it's we all saw about the, sabotage. Yeah. The director was at the screening and he did talk about how, like, basically they, these stories are all like kind of amalgamated from real stories of real people that have like tried to put things together like this sort of. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to think where it's going with the book thing. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, and that book, by the way, is available to read for free right now. Like they're promoting it through the movie. You can uh, you can read the ebook of How to Blow Up a Pipeline for free, which is kind of neat. Yeah. But realistic wise, pretty accurate. I mean, all this stuff happens all the time. So I assume the book, when it, I was trying to see when it was written, 
2020. So yeah, mm. it's still pretty fresh too. Oh, I didn't realize it was that new. Um, what's the moral of the story here? Sometimes legal action isn't enough and a bigger, more extreme solution is needed. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie that will definitely, in the same way that like, I feel like uh, the end of Black Klansman or the end of uh, that movie, uh, We're to Invade Next, when we saw those, it was like, okay, it really makes you feel like, okay, I need to get out there and do something serious. Like, just yes. talking about it is not enough. Um, this is that that movie, like, to the nth degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's definitely, I feel like if this movie gets a bigger release and gets seen by a lot of people, it could potentially cause some problems for the oil industry, which would be interesting. I mean, one day it's got to give, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, so what were your favorite moments? I mean, there's a lot, but there's... uh what was all the tense bomb stuff. Yeah, the it way... It is tense. It is. And the, the way the movie... audience was like... <gasps> definitely. Because the way the movie set up, the structure of it is like, you're seeing them kind of put this plan into motion. And then at these very like specific tense moments where something, where you think something potentially really bad might be about to happen, then it'll cut back yeah. and tell the backstory of one of the characters a little bit leading up to the story. So you get this like staggered backstory that really adds to the tension a lot. I think I'm definitely reaching middle age because I kept thinking these kids are going to blow themselves up. All these little kids. Like, what are they doing? Well, they talk <laughs> about it a lot. They're like, what do you think our chances are? Like 50 50? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they should be in school. <laughs> do you have any other favorite moments? Um, no, not specifically. I mean, I want to save some stuff to talk about when we talk about it in the monthly episode, but this is fantastic. I highly recommend yeah. it. Definitely a great movie to come out this year and pretty much encapsulates the climate change and sort of the awful demonization of protesters that's been going on. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting looking at like the progression of these movies we picked too, where it's just like, you know, it's more and more extreme. Well, and it, yeah, exactly. It starts with like, oh, there's bad stuff going on, but we can avoid it if we're. Yeah, the smart. 90s was like, we're okay for now. Or Just like, save there are the solutions. trees. Oh, Clear Cut was maybe a little ahead of its time there. But um, it's still about trees, though. Yeah, it's, it's all, about the all end of these the world. Are <laughs> most of the early ones on our list are all about how to prevent climate change. And this one is like, okay, how to like radically stop it. Like if we don't it do now. it now, we're all doomed. Because yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to run down our list of the movies we picked, we had Godzilla versus Hedorah, uh, Soylent Green, uh, for, oh wait, I skipped one. Clear, Clear Cut. Cut, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, Waterworld, Day After Tomorrow, Wally, uh, Mother, <laughs> First Reformed, Mother. and How to Blow Up a Pipeline. So those are our, some of our favorite environmental movies, but we did have a lot of honorable mentions that we thought about talking about. So, yeah, we discussed including Interstellar because of the food scarcity and trying to find a solution for the humankind. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the Wally -E approach, too, I guess. Or Waterworld, too. <laughs> Waterworld, Wally. -E. Uh, yeah, I guess Waterworld. Yeah, it is like bad things happen, and then this is the story that came after that. Yeah, but we figured it's, it takes mostly in space, yeah. so maybe not. Uh, Okja was another one. Yeah, and I almost wish we had included it just because we don't, we didn't have any movies on our list that are about like the food industry. Yes, we do. Soylent Green. Okay, fair. Well, <laughs> sort of. Sort of. But this is more specifically about like how bad the like mass produced food industry is for the world and how cruel it is. 
Also, Okja talks a lot about reducing the emissions from livestock. Like Okja is designed so they don't pollute. Correct. Like they're like the super pig's poop is like uh yeah, like mulch or whatever. Like yeah. there's not methane in it, like yeah. in cows or something like that. Um Avatar. Fern Gully three. Yeah. I, I don't I don't even remember. We just I mean, talked about. I mean, like, no, Avatar is, it's very much like the same sort of deal as a lot of these where it's, it's like corporations. Somewhere else corporations. Yeah. It's taking away indigenous lands to use for yeah. fuel. Um, documentary. I guess there is two documentaries. So Inconvenient Truth is probably sure. the obvious one. Yeah. All about uh, climate change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a movie Al that Gore. definitely, uh, <laughs> open people's eyes i think to a lot of the more specifics about like hey not, yeah not it doesn't just make things hotter it makes things colder and makes more extreme, extreme weather events yeah. in both directions and yeah i mean that was definitely where i learned a lot of that stuff yeah but then we also have kleana scotsy mm-hmm. which i think we've talked about before on the podcast maybe i don't know if we have or not but yeah and with its uh subtitle a life out of balance is all kind of about like yeah in a very abstract you know no no story no dialogue kind of way it's all about like humankind's influence on the planet and it's no narration it's all just music and lots not stock footage because he took it but yeah like image stock imagery what a beautiful movie um we discussed mad max the entire franchise because Mm it is about not really the first one, but after, but from two, two, three, and four are all like post-apocalypse in a world where. Yeah, like, I feel like it went. Oh, I didn't want to do too many like post-apocalypse. Yeah, because like we're dealing with current apocalypse. <laughs> uh, mid apocalypse. Mid apocalypse. Next, um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Um, the Miyazaki Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, and really Princess Mononoke to a slightly lesser extent are both uh, animated movies that deal a lot with like deforestation and um, yeah, just like humans relationship with nature and how that has to be in balance or yeah. things go horribly wrong. Um, and then we thought about Snowpiercer because it's got the same post-apocalyptic problem. It's a little, also a little Soylent Greenish, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, um, definitely. And it's caused like the whole world, they tried to, they like caused the ice age. They were basically. trying to stop reverse global warming and yeah. went too far with covering. Like they made like artificial cloud yeah. cover and they did too much of it, which caused like an ice age. So yeah, that one, it definitely has themes of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a little post-apocalypse. It's, honestly, too. it's more of a post-apocalyptic movie that uses climate change as a jumping off point to tell a story about like uh, class. Yeah. More, really more class stuff than environment stuff. So I, we also thought about watching Beast of the Southern Wild, which we've never seen. Yeah, um, never got around to it, sadly. Still haven't watched it, but from the description, it sounded like it's all about uh, living in a like a floodplain area and a little mm. kid sort of dealing with that yeah. and like how their environment is changing from global warming. Um, but it's, yeah, we never saw it. So I don't know. It came out in 2012. Yeah. I just thought of another documentary. I'm surprised we didn't think about including um, uh, when levees broke. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not specifically climate change specific, but it's about weather events and extreme. Yeah. Extreme you know. weather and government not caring about yeah. anybody. 
Um, and the last one we had on our honorable mentions list was a pretty recent one from a couple of years ago, uh, Ben Wheatley's In the Earth, which to me has kind of similar themes as um, Mother. Mother, yeah. In that it's basically just the kind of theme of the movie is like Mother Nature, the only way to to bring like these people are both scientists and like shamans are both are both like uh how can we find peace with nature and nature's like um get the hell off my planet that's yeah how. <laughs> except i felt like it went it's definitely a covid movie so oh, yeah, it's more sure. like a virus aspect than a little a bit but it's also aspect. it's about nature like fighting back like yeah you know against human beings because we cannot coexist the way we're currently yeah, not behaving. a good movie yeah so those are our honorable mentions. Happy Earth Day, everyone. We're all doomed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we started off hopeful <laughs> and ended sad. <laughs> Just sad, sad, sad. Um, but I guess any other thoughts? Earth Day thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. Rook Cyclops will have his revenge. I yeah, mean. one day. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this episode, but don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterbox. You can also follow us at on Twitter at Spliced Podcast or on Instagram at Spliced Pods... Is it Spliced Podcast? Spliced Together Podcast or something like that, where we post lots of annoying photos of Pin's face. I still don't think I could... I think they might be able to change it now. Our n- name might still say the Pin Minute. <laughs> Pin it. <laughs> yeah, we need um, to change that. <laughs> So let us know oh any... God, I can't find it. It doesn't matter anymore. The I'm time sorry. I passed. messed up. <laughs> I messed up. So let us know what you... What environmental movies you've watched and how Waterworld is a great movie should be on Criterion. Yeah, definitely let us know that. <laughs> and what your thoughts were of oh, yeah, Golly when you were four. Uh, it's Spliced Together Podcast is the full okay. name. Um, and we will see you soon on another episode of Splice Together.